Welcome to the Respectful Divorce Podcast. If you're considering a divorce, it's important to know that you have options for how you divorce. On the Respectful Divorce Podcast, we explore those options and provide advice from divorce professionals. On today's edition of the Respectful Divorce Podcast, we're talking with Richard Shannon, an Austin family law attorney. We'll be discussing some of the unique work that he's doing with an innovations team, uh, but also his work in family law. Uh, Richard, thanks for joining us today. Oh, you're very welcome, Tim. I appreciate you setting this up. You bet. So let's uh, let's just kind of begin first of all, and and talk a little bit about the collaborative divorce process and what attracted you to collaborative. I was attracted to collaborative because after many years of experience as a family law domestic relations litigator and it didn't take me long to realize this, I saw that the present structure of the court system is adversarial. And the adversarial nature is baked into the process. That means the parents of children are forced into a process that sets them up as enemies against one another, with a perception there's something to win or lose, and nobody likes to lose. And so it sets up a situation where parents with children who should be working together harmoniously to parent their children, that's what's in the best interest of the children, are set up for a fight that defeats the overarching purpose being to serve the best interest of the children. That's why I felt that something, a better way to handle this was needed. So the collaborative law model does that. The reason the collaborative law model gets away from making parents enemies is that it sets up by agreement the rules of how each would treat the other moving through a divorcing process. And a divorcing process is really not the end of a relationship. It's the realignment of a relationship. And it does not need to be adversarial, and it does not need to require that you make an enemy of the former intimate partner you had, a partner that you joined with for making a child or children. So the collaborative law process, through agreement, sets it up for the parents with the assistance of attorneys, sometimes a mental health professional, maybe a, a financial professional if needed, to look at the issues that need to be decided, but approaching those issues with a problem-solving frame of mind. One of the things that we do in collaborative law is seek agreement by identifying issues and setting up what the issues are, but the uh, issue is separate from the people. The people are not enemies, but the people have a problem that they can work on. The problem is out there, it's not within them. They can work on it to get a resolution. 
and they work on it in a way that preserves, as Divorce with Dignity Week indicates, preserves a way of engaging one another that it preserves dignity of each and preserves respect, even though there may be sharp differences and the differences may have an emotional charge. Just because there's an emotional negative emotional charge doesn't mean people cannot work, that doesn't prevent them from working together as problem solvers. And so what I found is the collaborative process permits people to be more creative in their engagement. And they also have lawyers that support them doing that. So that's why I'm that's what I saw to be the problem with, with the adversarial litigation process in court. And what I saw uh would be solved by turning to the collaborative law model. Now, you've been involved in a, a project that is really about uh, looking at uh at other ways to create some um, innovative solutions for this problem solving that you've talked about. Uh, tell us a little more about the the innovations team project that you're a part of. Yes, be happy to do that. Several years ago, when I joined the collaborative law section of the state bar, uh, uh, became a member of their council, I suggested an innovations project, and the council adopted that and asked me together with Walter Wright, to co-chair uh, a team of people uh, who would look at uh, innovations in how legal services are delivered. And the overall vision is that we would look at ways uh, and opportunities for lawyers to serve as healers of human conflict. Now, that's kind of a startling statement because, frankly, most people do not look upon uh, family law attorneys as healers of human conflict. In fact, there's a widespread perception, I think, that in the public that lawyers frequently make family relationships worse rather than better. They do the opposite of healing. So we want to create lots of opportunities for lawyers to truly serve as healers of human conflict. What this means is we need lawyers who can serve as, I will use the phrase, peacemakers rather than as warriors. If an attorney, myself or any other attorney, takes a case and it goes to court, the rules of court, rules of engagement, so to speak, set us up to be a warrior, a gladiator. That's a defined role. We have a responsibility and a duty to behave in that manner. So what we're looking for are many opportunities for lawyers to take their clients with legal claims into a process that's out of court and not, not adversarial. Now, I've already talked about the collaborative law model being 
an excellent way to achieve the purpose of engaging in problem solving without being adversarial. However, the collaborative law model has had some resistance to use among disputants in the marketplace. And there are a number of reasons for this. I won't enumerate the several reasons. So the innovations team is looking for other combinations of processes. This is a way of doing things that would be non-adversarial uh, that could be used by disputants. For example, some folks have very simple cases. They may have children, but they don't have much property. They don't have a lot of debt. They don't have a lot of conflict in the relationship. What they need is a simple process that's not adversarial that gets them uh, a piece of paper from a court that says, you're divorced, this is your parenting plan, uh, and your case is finished. And we want to do that for those folks in a way that has low cost, low conflict, and it has quick disposition. The courts are clogged with cases, and so it's difficult oftentimes to get your case before a judge if you need a judge. So we're looking for ways to put folks like that in a process that's not the collaborative model, but allows people to accomplish their purpose, as I said, in a low-cost, time-efficient, friendly manner. So some of the things, for example, we're looking at is combining uh, mediation with arbitration so that the entire process could be handled outside of court, except for getting a judge to sign an agreed document. Other more complex cases require other kinds of processes. And so we're looking at a wide range of processes. And so the goal we have is to create the opportunity for people with disputes to, at the beginning, before they jump into court, look at a number of different processes that are available and select a process or set of processes that is best suited to the type of dispute they have. For example, we might have a construction contract, contract case. Well, you, you don't, in that type of a case, you don't, you probably don't need somebody who's a mental health professional because you don't have children and, and children parent-child relationships involved. You might need a financial expert, but you probably need somebody who's a, an engineer. And we would want to bring the engineer in as a neutral expert. Uh, in those kinds of cases, there's a process called uh, early neutral evaluation. And so you can have evaluative processes going on in a way that's neutral. There are a wide range of processes available for different types of cases. So what we're looking for, bottom line, is get a process that's suitable for the nature of the dispute. It's called let the form fit the fuss. Now, to do this, early on, we would like to see people consult with somebody who has expertise in figuring out what is a 
good set of processes to help people work out their conflict. The goal would be a set of processes that achieves an objective of keeping the cost of conflict resolution to a minimum, doing it in a way that's thorough yet speedy, doing it in a way that where there are important relationships that people are treated with respect instead of disrespect. It opens the door to, I would say, compassion in terms of understanding why somebody might have an opinion that's different from yours. And that opens the door to people realizing, you know, Maybe I wasn't looking at this the right way, or I did something I didn't intend to do that was offensive to somebody else. I really didn't intend to offend them, but I see that they were. So that opens the door to apology, a genuine apology. And the other party has an opportunity to say, well, okay, yeah, I, I see why that happened. I forgive you for that. And now you kind of clear away some what we might call bad karma that existed or tension or toxicity in a relationship so that people can continue to work together without having bad feelings after the event is resolved. So these are all possibilities that we see could come forth that doesn't exist today. That's what we're hopeful for. Yeah. So what kind of a time frame are you looking at or do you have a time frame for beginning to roll out some of these new ideas? Yes, we're in a stage process, but we're about, I would say, uh, halfway through or a little more than halfway through the stages. But I would anticipate that the team would be able be in a position to start writing a final report by the end of this year and uh, probably have a report ready to uh, publish early in 2025. And once that report is out, then it will be available for anybody who wants to look at it. And there will be opportunities then for people to take what we've learned from this inquiry uh, and begin to implement. And so implementation is a stage beyond what this uh, team is set up to do. But we, we're creating the foundation for an implementation and indeed a transformation in how people with court claims work out their conflicts. I might tell you a story, for example. This is a divorce case story, and it's out of Dallas, and there's a published report. Uh, and there more than one story like this. So here's a couple where the husband owned about 100 McDonald's franchises, and they were very valuable. He sold them for about $100 million. That's a lot of money. Then after that, he and his wife decided to get a divorce. And the typical thing that people are in our culture, think of doing is, okay, looks like we're going to have a fight in court. So I better, as the phrase goes, lawyer up and get ready for battle. $3 million down the road in legal fees, they're in court. And at last, they hope they're going to get some resolution. 
And the lawyer for the husband, because one of the things you can do in court before a trial is say, hey, we can't talk about certain things. Certain things are not permitted to be said to a jury. And so an order like that had been issued by the court. So the husband's lawyers, as they're beginning opening statements, whispers in his client's ear. Now, if the wife's lawyer starts saying any of these things, we got a problem. Well, sure enough, the wife's lawyer stands up opening statements and starts talking about things that have been prohibited by the court's order. So the husband's lawyer jumps up and says, Your Honor, I object. May I approach the bench and moves for a mistrial, and the judge grants the mistrial. Now, what that means is the jury that had been picked and all the time that had been spent picking the jury and getting ready for trial was going to go away, and they're going to have to do it all over again. So the husband and the wife begin to figure out, are we being played? And they went out and hired collaborative law attorneys. $800,000 later, they had a complete agreed order without a trial. Three million versus 800,000. That's a significant difference. Then they turned around and sued the litigators because in effect, the litigators in that case were quote, milking the case. There's another case that involved a family in Dallas that was four sons of a man who made a fortune in the oil business. And the father died, and then a conflict after, during a, a, a probate inheritance process broke out, and these four brothers found themselves fighting amongst themselves, tore up the family, and depreciated the value of the business. And so one of the one of the sons that was in this conflict says, if we'd only known about the collaborative law process, what a wonderful thing that would have been. Let's let's talk for a moment about a, a respect because divorce with respect week is coming up. What is what does what does that really mean? What does what does the having that kind of respect in a process look like and mean? For me, respect means that you and the other party may have a very different story or narrative about events. What happened, what things were done that caused hurt feelings. And so because there's a big difference in the view of, of the stories they tell about what has happened, they are triggered. They have negative emotions that get triggered. And if you're in a negative state of mind, you have a negative emotion, anger, resentfulness, revenge, uh, it's demonstrated that it affects the way you think. It affects the way people are looking at things, perceiving things. And so respect is getting help to not 
lose those negative emotions, but to uh, control your emotions and to have more flexible thinking such that you can be open to understanding. You may not agree, but you can be more open to understanding why another person is looking at things in a way that's different than how you look at it. And so just the act of feeling that, oh, you've heard what I had to say and you've understood it. You may not agree with it, but at least I've been heard and I've been understood. And that is a way of showing respect. And then if there's that kind of respect, also it opens the door to empathy. And empathy is uh, not the same thing as sympathy. It's meaning, hey, I may not agree with you, but I, I understand how you think. I understand how you feel. Uh, and when empathy is present, then it opens the door to more creative thinking. So then you can begin to look at ways, well, how can we solve this problem? How can we solve this problem in a way that gives you, satisfies as much of your interests that are identified and also satisfies as much of my interest as is possible. So we want to begin to think about what do I really want and need? That's my interest. And how can we work together to accommodate one another, even though we have a dispute and we may not like each other anymore? So Divorce with Respect Week is coming up uh, March 4th through 8th, and uh, someone can schedule to do a free consultation with you through the divorcewithrespectweek.com website. But if they schedule that, uh, how should they prepare for that kind of first conversation with you to talk about their divorce case? Well, the first thing that they need to do is simply uh, be prepared to tell why they think they want a divorce and uh, what they would like the divorcing process to be like. Uh, that would be the, the beginning point. Actually, their personal lived experiences is all they need to bring to the table and be able to talk about uh, what that experience is. They were in a relationship. Now that relationship seems to be ending. What's their view on why it's ending? And what do they want their future to look like after they get through the end of a process that ends the relationship? What, what would they like to see their future without the relationship looking like? All right. Richard, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. We appreciate all of your insights and uh, and your eye toward kind of future ways of resolving these kinds of conflicts. Well, thanks for interviewing me, Tim. Happy to help. So uh, if you'd like to learn more about uh, the collaborative divorce process, you can go to Richard's website, which is shannonfamilylaw.com. We'll put a link in the uh, show notes to the website as well. This reminder that the 2024 Divorce with Respect Week is March 4th through 8th, and more information is available or to schedule a consultation. You can do that by going to divorcewithrespectweek.com. This is Tim Krauss reminding you that collaborative divorce is a better way.
to untie the knot. <laughs>